Did you ever hear of Kong? Why, yes. Some native superstition, isn't it? A god or a spirit or something. Well, anyway, neither beast nor man. Something monstrous, all-powerful, still living, still holding that island in a grip of deadly fear. Well, every legend has a basis of truth. Welcome to Now Playing's King Kong Retrospective Series. I'm offering him adventure, fame, the thrill of a lifetime, and a long sea voyage. Well, I don't see how you can be amused by gorillas. I think they're dull. Well, this one's 60 feet tall. What do you think of him? 60 feet? That's right. This is Kong, the strongest living creature on Earth. Hosted by Stuart. I, I, I was just afraid that you might be one of those self-obsessed literary types. Mm -hmm. The Tweety Twerp with his nose in this book. Jacob. I'm on the level. No funny business. Trust me and keep your chin up. And Arnie. Here we are. Just one big happy family. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Are you sure about this? Our primates too. Listener discretion is advised. It's time to show Kong that man is king. We hope you enjoy the show. Lights, cameras, Kong. Today, we're reviewing King Kong Escapes, starring Akira Takarada, Rhodes Reason, Me Hama, You Nail, <laughs> Linda Miller, Hideo Amamoto, directed by Ishiro Honda. Arnie couldn't make it. He's off on Mondo. So this is McKenna Arnie, co-host of Now Playing. <laughs> oh, very nice. Stuart? And this is the host whose ego is showing again, Jacob. Well, it wasn't just the Japanese that wanted to license King Kong from RKO Studios in the 1960s. Remember Rankin and Bass? Didn't they do that Lord of the Rings animated thing? Sure. The, only some of them. Yeah, they did The Hobbit and Return of the King. In the middle, it was a different guy, but yeah, they did some of the Lord of the Rings animated movies we've covered. More famously, they were coming off Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Everyone knows that one. I want to be a dentist. That one, you know, every <laughs> Christmas. ABC Television. Well, they wanted to do a cell-drawn animated Kong Saturday morning cartoon series. So RKO was like, sure, why not? So they created a show. Fall 1966, anyone remember the King Kong show? I did not know this existed nope. <laughs> until I started looking up specifically Doctor Who. I'm like, Doctor what? And when I looked that up, it led me to this TV series. A Google found some episodes on YouTube, and this is something. It is such a James Bond ripoff. Are, are you talking about the movie we're discussing tonight or the cartoon? <laughs> the cartoon. The lead character is Professor Bond. <laughs> Wow, see, I had so many James Bond jokes to make during this, but they obviously knew what they were doing. Actually, there's no difference between the cartoon and the movie we're covering today, because... What? The movie we're covering today is an adaptation of this cartoon. First of all, the series is about Kong becoming friends with a small boy named Bobby, and they travel <laughs> the world with his professor dad and his older sister Susan. Of course. You say James Bond, well, his name's Bond, but I actually feel like it feels more like Johnny Quest 
people know that series about the small boy and his adventurous dads doing all that stuff. Oh, yeah. It also has a Bullwinkle feel because they interrupt the show periodically to do an entirely different storyline <laughs> with a <laughs> tiny spy named Tom of Thumb. Oh, no. Yeah. If you watch nothing else... Watch the opening credits that explains how the boy didn't realize that Kong was dangerous. King Kong, you know his name, he's King Kong, <laughs> 10 times the size of a man. That theme song, like they play it throughout the show. I think like, I was just, once you get it in your ear, it's there forever. Yeah, and I thought the animation definitely reminded me of Johnny Quest, as did some of the voices. But yeah, the first episode I saw, had a very different-looking Doctor Who. And by Doctor Who, we are not talking about the Time Lord people. We'll get into it, but no Time Lord in this movie. But there is a Doctor Who. Yeah, at the time, it was fair game. Doctor Who, the BBC show, started in 1964. This was coming out in 66. One didn't know about the other. Nobody would assume that that BBC show would become what it did. And so, yeah, you just had a short, bald, midget scientist who was always popping up to create these plots. And Kong and the kid were always there to foil his act. When I was watching this movie, though, I actually thought he was Doctor Who, H-U, like Kelly Who. <laughs> I didn't think it was W-H-O. Well, I believe in the movie they call him Doctor Wu. No, I heard who. I heard who. <laughs> okay. I may be Horton, but I heard a who. Okay. <laughs> and it said who in the credits, because I'm like, I got to see if he's really Doctor Who. And yeah, that's what showed up in the credits. Yeah, but there was an episode specifically about Doctor Who creating a mechanical ape that sort of framed Kong and everyone wanted to kill Kong because they thought he was destroying cities and it was really his robot twin. Yeah, very hard to tell these two apart. <laughs> it was a hit episode and they thought wouldn't this be a great idea Rankin and Bass had the option to make this cartoon into a feature and RKO said why don't you go work with the Japanese they're about to lose the Kong license now remember when they optioned Kong to battle Godzilla it was only for five years and they were trying they had some script in which Kong was going to come back and fight a shrimp a giant shrimp, no kidding. And Archeo was like, we don't think that's a good idea. Why don't you work with the cartoon people? And they're like, but we already made the shrimp. And so they're like, no, work with Rankin and Bass. They know what they're doing. They made this wonderful Rudolph show. Is that the crab monster that ended up fighting Godzilla? Exactly so. They just renamed him Ibira. And yeah, it was Godzilla versus the sea monster. <laughs> yeah, which came out. Yeah, I think that's the next one after King Kong versus Godzilla. No, that's Mothra. It's a couple movies after. Yeah. Yeah, they shot that one at the same time that they were shooting this Kong movie. They weren't sure what to do, and they were about to lose him. So let's do the cartoon, except the Japanese put their foot down and said, we want to appeal to kids, but we don't want to direct a movie with kids. So little Bobby becomes Namura, his dad becomes Commander Nelson, and his sister Susan becomes Nurse Susan. And so you have the three characters from the show, but now they're on a submarine and they're adults and there's some sex appeal as well. And because Kong vs. Godzilla was a big hit, Toho Studios is willing to throw a little bit more money at this. They're going to redesign the they monkey did. suit. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a better Kong suit. I can't say that much. I'm not saying it's good, but it's better than what fought Godzilla a couple years before. I th I don't notice that it's a quality difference. Yeah, I'd have to put them on next to each other to really tell them apart. It seemed like the same bad suit. You really should, because, yeah, that first one is 
horrible. And they also were able to, yeah, create a mechanical Kong. There's a Gorosaurus here. They had more miniatures. There was money to play with here. I mean, I'm not saying they were rolling in it. And they were able to get the guy who had been directing all of these. Shiro Honda had been making Godzilla movies since the first 1954 one. He steps over to do the Kong series as well here. And it's one standalone Japanese effort. Which you might also know is King Kong Strikes Again, Revenge of King Kong, or King Kong's Counter-Strike. But here in America, I think it came out mostly as King Kong Escapes. And I watched both versions. There's a Japanese version and an English version. The Japanese is a little bit longer. And the only difference is a sequence in the beginning and the sequence at an end. And the name of the villainess. If you watch the Japanese version, she's called Madame Piranha. And if you watch this one in English, she's Madame X. Okay, I had Madame X. Mine was in English, but it's obviously dubbed. So I didn't know if it's just a dub of the Japanese version. But no, it is Madame X. So I guess I watched the American. Yeah, I watched the dubbed American version as well. Honestly, I wasn't as invested in this one as I was King Kong versus Godzilla going in, so I didn't feel the need to scour Criterion collections or whatever I'd have to do. Well, this is not part of their Godzilla Criterion, because it's a standalone <laughs> King Kong, yeah. I didn't even know there was a longer Japanese cut with this one, because I'm with you, Arnie. It's like, eh, it's not Godzilla, it's just King Kong. I'll watch whatever one I could get. Yeah, I wanted to ask that. You say you're less invested. I know I was. Like, I want Godzilla. Like, I feel yes! for going to Japan, I it doesn't feel legitimate if they don't have a Japanese kaiju. The fact that they're doing Kong... I'm less excited going in. Stuart and I at least really love that stop motion version of Kong. That's still the iconic version. So seeing this Japanese version without Godzilla, it just doesn't have the same charm for me as the last film did. And I'd never heard of this film until we were planning the retrospective. Every single other Kong film I'd at least heard of at some point. This one... I felt it had to be really low rent MST3K level is what I was expecting. Son of Kong level is what I was expecting. So while I prefer King Kong to Godzilla, I just didn't pay a whole lot of attention to this one until two days ago when I go to watch it and I see the movie poster. Oh, that poster's awesome. It is amazing. It got me excited. All of a sudden, I'm like, this is going to be a real big recommend, isn't it? There's a Mecha King Kong. I am so in. <laughs> yeah, Robot King Kong versus Ape King Kong versus like a dinosaur on that poster. It's amazing. Yeah, the movie was called King Kong Escapes. And so I just expected it to be literally that. King Kong escaping captivity. No, this is totally not what I expected it to be. And yeah, I would definitely watch a Japanese version of it now. <laughs> And again, this is a remake of a cartoon episode. You can go and watch it for 15 minutes on the show. Different plot. They've added other characters and they've obviously expanded it to feature length. But the idea of a mechanical Kong comes from Rankin and Bass. They get story credit and the Japanese were happy to create this metal suit. And it even does inspire. Mecha Godzilla came out of this movie. They realized it was such a good idea that a mechanical lizard followed. Yeah, I was wondering if that was the inspiration for Mecha Godzilla. Again, I like it when Godzilla's a robot. We'll talk about how I feel about King Kong being a robot. Yeah, let's get into this plot. Madam X is a representative for an unnamed country. She's hired a mad scientist named Doctor Who, no relation to Matt Smith or Tom Baker, to find them the rare Element X. With enough X, Madam X's nation will gain nuclear domination over the U.S. and Soviet Union. 
Who found a huge amount of X underground at the North Pole? We could totally go who's on first mm, on this. Yeah, I think it's confusing. <laughs> Who found a huge amount of X underground at the North Pole? <laughs> Madam X found it? No, Mecha Kong did. Or Mechanic Kong, excuse me. <laughs> to mine it, who deploys a giant robot? Oh, I can't wait to talk about this because it makes so much sense. You want to get that element deep in the earth? You build a giant robot monkey. <laughs> I personally would invest in bulldozers, but... <laughs> you know how much unobtainium we would have if James Cameron had Mecha Kong fight those Avatar people? <laughs> mm-hmm, Mecha Navi. <laughs> to mine it, who deploys a giant robot built in the likeness of King Kong named Mechanicong, which is so much better than Mecha Godzilla? But the robot cannot withstand the magnetic fields of Element X and shuts down. During all of this, our hero, if you can use such a term... You're not talking about the character hero, are you? <laughs> no. Submarine Captain Carl Nelson, Lieutenant Commander Hero... No, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's what you are referring to. Lieutenant Commander Hero Nomura and Lieutenant Susan Watson end up on Mondo Island. On Mondo Island, Kong fell in love with Susan, but Susan and the submarine crew leave the island just before Doctor Who gets to Mondo Island and captures the real King Kong and hypnotizes the giant gorilla. He gets <laughs> Kong to dig for him, but the flashing lights in Element X free him from the mental control. You got some X, you got some flashing lights. I think it's a party. <laughs> <laughs> we need some J-pop, though. Nelson is sent to investigate Doctor Who, and at Who's base, Nelson and his team cause Kong to escape. Kong swims to Tokyo, and to recapture Kong, Doctor Who sends Mechanicong. The two have a destructive battle in Tokyo, facing off at Tokyo Tower. Kong knocks Mechanicong from the top of the tower, and the machine falls to pieces. Then Susan commands King Kong to destroy Doctor Who's boat, killing Doctor Who and all his evil minions in the process. Then Kong swims home towards Mondo Island as credits roll. And you'll know which version you're watching. Well, of course, because one's in English, yes. one's in Japanese. <laughs> but also, if there's a scene at the beginning where the attractive blonde nurse gets sexually harassed by some crew members tightening a pipe, that's in the American version. Okay, I lost my mind. I'm like, she just threatened to like give him erectile dysfunction with that castor oil? <laughs> Yeah, I guess they feel like American dads need some sex appeal to brighten their mood here. It, it wouldn't play to Japanese audiences to have this woman treated in this way, but that's clearly why Susan is here, and it's clearly why she has such a hold over Kong once she finds out that nearby there's an island with a giant crazy male gorilla. Yeah, Kong apparently has a type, and it's white blonde women. Mm-hmm, <laughs> for sure. And they're playing into that, which I think is wise. You know, there's not a lot to build on his character. I mean, we didn't really get to know him from the 1933 movie it was mostly fixated on the human characters but i do think in this movie as much as you can carry over from what we remember about 1933 is helpful and yes we know from the second we see susan watson she is the thing that the beast can't resist and she goes and she's going to go talk to the men of this movie, Carl and Hero. In the Japanese cut, is there more like exposition explaining like why they want to go to Mondo Island and find Kong? Because in the American one, she like walks in and they're just looking at pictures like drawings of Kong. And they're like, yeah, this would be really cool to meet this monkey. Like we should go to this <laughs> island sometimes. They're on a UN sub and I'm not sure what the mission is, but they don't have time to go there until there's an underwater earthquake and then they're like okay good the sub's broken i guess we could take our hovercraft over and see if there's a giant ape yeah why they fix the sub we're just gonna go do a day trip 
<laughs> yeah, but for some reason, Nelson, again, if this were the cartoon, we would understand this is the professor character. He would have encyclopedias and volumes of lore about some creature that would kick off the episode. And he has a knowledge of the legend of Mondo Island and has even drawn what he believes to be the local ape there. Mondo Island is basically Skull Island. They're not calling it the same thing, but it's the same island as before in 1933. And I wonder if Mondo is because it's the 60s, that that was like a surfer slang term, or if the poster company that I have given way too much money to <laughs> is named themselves this? after this movie. Maybe they're big fans. Yeah, I had the same question. <laughs> Did Mondo T's take it from Mondo Island? I gotta say, I cracked up as they're explaining who Kong is. They're like, look at these steps. They're 10 feet tall in these top. Like, we find out that Kong does construction in this movie. Like, he's putting up staircases for himself. I thought these were the Islanders building it, but no, they're like, no, Kong did all this. Yeah, one thing that they've changed, maybe because they did want to go back to the blackface that they had done in the last movie, is there are no other natives living on Mondo Island. Kong is alone. There's one. There's one, and he's going to get shot. <laughs> There's a hermit that, yes, will come out and will give us a little bit of exposition. We'll warn these guys to stay away once they fly over and, and have a look-see. Was that guy supposed to be a hermit? I thought he was the island chief and they just couldn't afford to bring anybody else from the tribe. That's what I assumed. No, I mean, I I mean, you could write it, sure. I mean, I guess you could go that way, but I take it to mean he's the only one living on the island because we don't see the huts. We don't see the same level of worship and sacrifice that we saw. No red juice. Yeah, again, I thought it was just because of budgets. I figured that was the reason. No, but- there's bigger budget here. But on that island, I just laugh. They're like, those steps are 10 feet tall. No man can do that in a single jump. It's like, (laughs) what are you imagining this person doing? Laura crofting the hell up the staircase? And once they finally go over there, I'm having Thunderbird's delight. You guys remember that marionette show? Oh, yeah. Like when we see the hovercraft and all of that, this is where the money's going. I mean, you can say it looks bad, but this is taking me back to my childhood. Oh, nope. I love it. (laughs) Love all those little toy hovercrafts and tanks. Yeah, all of this stuff has a very primal fascination for me. Models, dioramas, all these things that I love. It's why I like artists like Michelle Gondry or early Tim Burton, all stop motion, all that stuff. It really just is very satisfying to watch. I could watch it all day. It's not convincing. It's not cinematic. But yeah, it is kind of fun to see the models there. The hovercraft is legit awesome. Like if that hovercraft came across my kitchen floor, I'd still be impressed the fact that it's actually hovering. They didn't have to Vaseline out the wheels like Lucas did in Star Wars. And they get to it early. I think smart. They realize from Godzilla versus Kong where the first fight doesn't happen for an hour. We need to have round one right there. This woman is asked to stay by the hovercraft and catches the eye of a Gorosaurus. And her screams are going to awaken Kong 2.0, who still looks like he's been kidified. Like he has this big wide grin on his face. (laughs) But what they claim anyway is that they got the kaiju actor, the rubber suit guy who's been playing Godzilla. He went to the zoos and studied how apes moved. And they tried to make a suit that looked more like an ape. Whereas last time they just grabbed what was ever around and stapled some fur onto it. So is it more ape-like? I mean, I recognize it's Kong. I accept it as King Kong, even though it, no, it doesn't look good. No, this to me is the worst Kong yet because there are many shots where when they're filming his back, 
you can see that they've sewn the guy into the suit, and you can see the stitches on the back of the suit. You see the seam right down the middle, and this cross-stitching that keeps it closed. I think that's the zipper, Arnie, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, we want to fight, right? It really doesn't matter. You're going to give me a T-Rex? I don't know how he's doing that jump kick, but he's like jumps in the air and then shoots those legs out at Kong. I love it. Craziest wrestling move I've seen. No, no. The T-Rex just watched Godzilla versus Kong. Godzilla did that exact same move to Kong last movie. Maybe that's why I love it, because if it's Godzilla's move, I'm down for it. And yet, my allegiance is specifically with Godzilla. Not all lizards will do. I want this one to go down. I'm happy to see the ape do his finishing move with the jaw and it foaming and dying. <laughs> they actually wanted to have blood. They had somebody there to do a whole prosthetic with blood. And I guess the actor himself was like, absolutely not. I will not allow blood to be in a kid's film. And so they went with the foam. Yeah, and it takes a little while I don't know why King Kong just didn't do that to Godzilla and rip that bitch's jaw off, too. <laughs> they fell into the ocean. <laughs> and so it's kind of a soft reboot, remake. It's what we remember about Kong 1933 done in Japanese kaiju rubber man style. Yeah, what's so crazy is we get this trio. I just kept putting the UN trio in my notes. They go to this island, they replay that half of the original King Kong. It's more or less a remake. And then they're going to have the bad guy, like, go to the island, right? I'm like, okay, they don't have a lot of story here. Like, they're just repeating stuff. But, yeah, it does feel like early on that they're kind of doing a, a reboot or a remake of that original Kong film. Yeah, they're cross-cutting between this very familiar story and the cartoon villain Doctor Who. The better story. <laughs> yeah, who is in the North Pole trying to extract Element X, which is some kind of metaphor for uranium or a nuclear power. It's going to be even better than the H-bomb, is my sense. <laughs> they're building off of all of those fears of the 50s and saying whatever country gets Element X will be able to wipe out our nuclear weapons with a single missile. Doctor Who may be a scientific genius, but can one of you tell me what's up with those lower teeth? Yeah. Does he have any? Oh, my wife was freaking out the entire movie every time they showed those teeth. It's shocking. That is the actor's actual dental work. He's an old man, and dentistry wasn't what it was 60, 70 years ago. But Hideo Amiyato is a beloved character actor. He was in Yojimbo. He was in Kwaidan. He's been in several beloved Japanese movies, and they wrote the part specifically for him. They thought he would be perfect as this cartoonish villain, and he kind of is. He is a, a lot of fun. They got a good voice here. Uh, Paul Freeze. Do you guys know his name? He's done a lot of stuff. Like? He's Boris from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh, okay. He, after Moose and Squirrel. Yeah, I told you I got a Bullwinkle vibe off the cartoon. You say this is a kid's movie. This was developed as a kid's film because it feels like it from this villain plot. I mean, just from the names, Doctor Who and Madam X. And I am not shocked that there is a Bond in that cartoon because I'm like, where is James Bond here? This is Blofeld. Put Bond in this film, better than Skyfall. Best Bond film ever. Best plot, best crazy plan to take over the world. Just build a robot Kong. And what Hideo Amamoto is missing in teeth, he makes up for in eyebrows. I mean, that is <laughs> a hell of a look and a wonderful cape. I thought King Kong Escapes would be a sequel to Godzilla vs. Kong coming from the same Japanese company. Now I realize we're in something altogether different. 
No, it's a continuation of the show. If they had kept the show's characters, you would understand that Doctor Who knew Nelson from previous things, would know about the ape. That's how he knew to just build a giant robot right. monkey? Because I'm like, wow, that's a crazy leap of logic he just took. He just heard about this giant ape, and he's going to make it here in robot form. Yes, because they're going with a new guy who's never met Kong, but just drew what he thought he might look like. And this guy's going to go be like, perfect, it's the blueprint to my robot. Yeah, that's all kinds of crazy. And again, why is an ape the best thing to dig in the North Pole? Not sure. <laughs> because it's the strongest creature King Kong is. So if you make a robot version of him, it's also going to be the strongest creature because that's how robotics work, Stuart. I would think in the North Pole, you'd actually do better. <laughs> well, no, Godzilla has those really tiny T-Rex arms, but I was thinking Godzilla would be better because the atomic breath could melt the ice. But no, we get... Mechanicong here who has bombs on his belt. He's got like a utility belt. I love it. Where he can drop <laughs> bombs down to open a crack in the earth. Yeah, he really does feel like the Rankin Bass Abominable Snowman from Rudolph, but it with like tinfoil all over him. It's a total delight. It's just tacky as hell and a lot of fun. Oh, his eyes are so cute. That's the only word I can come up for for Mechanicong is cute. I saw him on the poster and I was immediately like, I would buy a Teddy Ruxpin toy of that. Yeah, Madam X is just, she's dismissive of it. She's like, this is just some toy. I'm like, I wish, how I wish I would have wanted this so badly if I, I were a child. Maybe even now, if I were honest. But yes, the idea is that her country, and they keep that under wraps. They never tell us, right? I kept waiting for it to be revealed. I think it's China. I mean, it's the only country that makes any sense. It's either China or Vietnam, which would they really in 1966 be playing into war fears for a kid's show? Probably not. China was the other major force that was developing a nuclear weapon at the time. At one point, Nelson grabs Madam X and says, are you Chinese, Thai, Vietnamese, Burma? So those are your four options. Apparently, <laughs> in this world, the Burmese are also a nuclear power wannabe. Well, Rambo hadn't gone over there yet and shot them all up. Yeah, with the Cultural Revolution fresh and all of that, China would have been the threat. But I don't think they want to name any country because they're probably going to try and sell this movie to every country <laughs> they can. So, yes, in the end, she's from a fictional Asian country that wants to get the bomb powered by Element X. And so she's going to humor Doctor Who, but threatens to kill him. Like, their power dynamic is strange. Sometimes he's ordering her to make him drinks. And sometimes she's like, <laughs> I'm going to kill you if you don't get this right. Yeah, I thought she was the real mastermind and he was just the one with the technical know-how to make this mechanic kong and everything but yeah at times it feels like she's in control and then but by the end he's like shooting her and he's in charge i never understood the dynamic but again this is a kid's film and it kind of works as just goofy villains if you're a kid see the way i took it is you called him the blofeld i think blofeld is still off screen and Blofeld hired Doctor Who, who was like our Goldfinger type person. And when Doctor Who wasn't getting the job done at the very beginning, the unseen Blofeld sends Madame X in as an overseer. Right. She is actually going to go incognito and follow the sub back when it reports to the UN, pretending to be part of the press and then taking her pillbox hat and lipstick and making a transmission device to radio back to Who and be like, oh, you'll never believe it. The ape loves the blonde woman. Like, yeah, we know. I mean, it's a King Kong movie. 
They have to get the real King Kong because LMNX, what, fried the circuits of Mechanicong so he couldn't do the job? I was a little confused, but I actually thought Mechanicong got magnetically attached to something like the metallic ores of the Earth hold the ferrous metal of Mechanicong, but they mentioned something about frying the circuits or something. Yeah, it's an element X, and so the properties of which we can just write whatever. It makes metal things stop working. Okay. Yeah, so send something organic to get it? That seems worse. <laughs> uh, yes. If, in fact, it's uranium, you're better off with the melted metal thing than you are with the actual ape. But hey, whatever. Not if you're Doctor Who and don't give a crap about the ape once you have your ex. And just to continue the James Bond theme, Madam X is being played by Mia Hama, who was opposite Sean Connery and You Only Live Twice. She was Kissy Suzuki. She's not quite so Kissy Suzuki here. Yeah, I think she ends up trying to do some kind of seductive act on our lead. I don't know. Is Carl Nelson our lead? I, I don't feel like any of the three, unfortunately, part of the problem with this movie, and it's a problem with every kaiju movie, is the humans are not interesting. And so I don't really care when we have all this talking human stuff. Yeah, it feels weird because it feel, it's like Carl, I think, is in charge out of these three, but then you got the romance that they never quite commit to all the way, but there seems to be a romance thing going on between Susan and Hero, and I maybe they don't want to push uh, the, the multiracial thing or whatever, but that seems like the romance thing, which is usually an important part of a film, but because that never really goes anywhere. Yeah, it's just there to help push the plot along. And Hero is a big star in Japan. Akira Takarada was in the first Godzilla movie, and he was in several other Godzilla movies. I don't know if anyone really called him this, but in the production notes, they called him the Clark Gable of Japan. So <laughs> they're claiming, anyway, that Japanese audiences would have wanted to see him as a romantic lead, and that's why he gets the girl and you almost feel like you could eliminate one of these characters, just make it Hero and Susan, and why do we need this third wheel? Well, again, they're following the template of the cartoon, so maybe they shouldn't have. What's funny to me is that this is a Japanese King Kong production, and I think of it as a kaiju movie, but the bad guys are mostly Asian. There's one Asian on the good guy side, but it's a bunch of white UN people. It was weird because I was like, when the... Asians are talking, obviously, like any good kung fu film, the lips are not matching the words on the dub. <laughs> but when the Americans are talking, the lips match perfectly. <laughs> oh, see, mine seemed really sloppily dubbed. Maybe it's just the copy I got. I mean, obviously, there's just more Asians in Japan where they're filming this than there are white people. Linda Jo Miller was a model working in Japan. She had already made one other Japanese-English co-production called Green Slime. Hilarious film. I highly recommend it. And so she just was available and they thought, well, perfect. She will bring some American cachet. Western audiences will want to see and Kong will want to see a blonde woman. But yes, by and large, most of these people are Asian. And Rhodes Reed's he was somebody they brought in. He was the brother of someone more famous. He'd done a lot of work. I guess his claim to fame was he was Flavius on an episode of Star Trek. Does that mean something, Arnie? No, it's... I, if I looked up the episode, I'd probably be like, oh, yeah, him. But yeah, no. I, yeah. He had an episode of classic Star Trek, and he definitely has a William Shatner, Captain Kirk vibe. Yeah, I, I looked up the dates in case this was a ripoff, but I definitely got a Kirk, Spock, and then Nurse Chapel kind of thing where Spock and Nurse Chapel kind of had a flirtation, but it never quite worked out. And the way she was offering the castor oil and was the nurse, 
you know, I guess Trek just modeled itself after all the stuff we were seeing at the time. When we deal with Forbidden Planet and this, I see Star Trek because I watched Star Trek first. But yeah, this is such an unoriginal concept I'm now realizing. And you guys have implied that they don't fully commit to the romance. It's not a romance triangle and, yeah, Hero and Susan don't have it hot and heavy. It's a kid's film for the most part, so they're really not going to show a whole lot of romance in this. I also feel like they don't commit into their usefulness. We're told Madame X seems to think that Susan is important, that they can use her, dangle her on a hook, and Kong will obey them. He'll get in the pit and he'll start digging as long as no harm comes to Susan. But then they have this other subplot about how they've already captured him without Susan and they're going to use some hypno-ray. But by the time the sub gets back to Mondo Island, Kong has already been absconded by Doctor Who. Another wonderful airlift scene there. This time they're hooking him up with like handcuffs to the legs and wrists and they lift him up and I'm like, I really want to see that. They do the is lifted up off the screen but we don't see quite how and then we do see four helicopters lifting some kind of beast it reminds me of like claw games in arcades like a <laughs> pizza planet toy alien kind of game you know but yeah there is always some kind of surreal delight in seeing an ape float in the sky like i just <laughs> they did it last movie do it again do it in every movie every movie is better when you see an ape floating in the sky I, for some reason, don't think Peter Jackson's going to give us that thrill. But yeah, he's already been taken away and left behind is the murdered hermit. He's lying there, bullet holes. He explains to the lead that Doctor Who is basically the guy that they're after, but they don't have these guys figure anything out. Rather than chasing down the bad guy, finding his lair, they just end up getting kidnapped. No, they figure it out that they're like, I don't think these guys are Japanese. And they just go along with it. Like, they don't try to escape. They think they're in a trap. And they're like, well, let's see how it plays out. But isn't that kind of the James Bond formula, too? Like, I want to get to the villain's base. Sometimes I'll get there on my own and sneak. And sometimes I'll be captured. And then I'll be inside and be able to work my way out through my magic penis. Let's be clear. This is not a James Bond movie. There's not a lot of gadgets. There's not a lot of sex. Hold on. You don't think mechanics? Kong is the ultimate gadget? <laughs> I don't think it's a James Bond gadget. I'm telling you, I wish this was a James Bond film, but James Bond knows what he's doing when he gets caught. These three, they're just there because you got to have humans, I guess, in a kaiju movie, and these are the three you're stuck with. Listen, I'm not saying this is succeeding at being a James Bond film, but it's certainly trying to follow the pattern of a 60s James Bond film is what I'm saying. So that's why I think they go along with it is because it's something Connery would have done. Maybe. I've never seen a James Bond movie as lazy as this one <laughs> or as unsexy as this one. Again, but eventually they stumble their way to the North Pole base and we find out that Kong, speaking of love, I think when he wakes up, he briefly seems to get like... Yes. Ear goggles for Mecha Kong? Am I wrong? No, there's something where like you see a hallucination of a gorilla over the mechanical mm -hmm. where like he's thinking if that just had fur, I could so tap that. Mm -hmm. Give me the digits, baby. <laughs> and it never goes anywhere. But I was definitely thinking those were some goo goo eyes Kong was making at Mechanicong. Yeah, I was hoping for that subplot. This movie isn't as funny. 
as Kong versus Godzilla. No. I was laughing a lot last time. And this one, because it's a different writer and a different impulse and playing more towards kids, it's silly. It's crazier, but it's not wittier. Yeah, that's what I like about this one. And it only works for like the first half, though. It kind of wears off because it is just so element and Madame X and Doctor Who and Robot 8. Like, it is so much crazy stuff. It's a huge sugar high. So yeah, I guess it works as a kid's movie, but it's going to wear off about halfway through the film. But I, I'm enjoying it while it lasts. I agree. I was actually laughing harder during this movie at it, I think, because of things like a man can't jump 10 feet. And yeah, it's just so bizarre. Mechanic Kong and King Kong Seam and things like that. But right around the time they do get kidnapped and go to the base is when I'm like, I need the monsters to fight now. It's when King Kong is digging in the for the Element X. Which they've hypnotized him to do. Like, they've given him a Bluetooth headset <laughs> yeah. and, sh- and a strobe light so he'll go dig this stuff. Yeah, that was rather amusing. But again, it begs the question, why do they need Susan if they've got a strobe light? Like, it seems to me they needed to combine those ideas. Like, the strobe light was powered by Susan, or Susan came to him in a vision in the strobe light. They needed to work that so that there was a reason to keep the submarine folks in the story. Now, I came to this backwards. I saw the cartoon after I watched this movie, but I was just so confused while watching this movie why people think they can speak English and King Kong's going to understand a damn thing they say because he's a gorilla. But they speak to King Kong the way we speak to Japanese tourists, just really loud and really slow, as if that's going to help someone who doesn't speak English. Kong, go dig. Go dig the hole. (laughs) Yes, that's like me at a Japanese restaurant. No, Coca-Cola. Well, you know what? I do think the language of love transcends any foreign (laughs) dialect. I do feel like Kong understands Susan. And she was the one at the sub when he was coming out to them that she got him to back off and go kill the eel monster and let us go dive. Like, she is, in Fay Ray style, able to transmit the messages that they're trying to send Kong. So it, it means that she should be more important than she really is as they work through all these silly torture scenarios here. Well, isn't that why Kong escapes? Because for some reason, he just pulls off that Bluetooth set and says, I'm not digging, and quits that. Well, that's because the X was flashing. Is that why? I believe the Element X killed the machine in his ear. Oh, fried the circuits in that thing. Yeah. Oh, I thought because it was flashing and Kong kind of stared at it the way he stared at the hypnosis thing that it broke his hypnosis. And then he was like, screw this. I'm not digging for nobody. Either or, like neither is very scientific. The point is he escapes only so far as he gets back up and they shut a gate on him. He's going to break that gate down because they're torturing Susan. He's like the shark in what jaws for like he's got a psychic link with her she's being tortured along with hero by being stuck in a really cold room and that seems to be his motivation to escape and get out of that cell and run amok yeah ironically they got her to keep him under control but i think you're right i think the reason he breaks out is because she's screaming like there's something about her high pitch yell i don't think he knows it any other way than he can hear her And when she screams, he's going to completely lose it. Go ape, forgive the pun. (laughs) And in this case, burst out onto an Arctic set and wade to Tokyo. He doesn't go save her. (laughs) He leaves. Yeah, of course. What is he going to Tokyo? And 
I'm sorry, but I would go ape if Susan was yelling at me too, because the actress who does her voice is so annoying. Kong! Kong! <laughs> King Kong! Oh my god, it's nails on a chalkboard. Wow, I'm having flashbacks. That's very accurate, Arnie. <laughs> it is, and it does kind of sound like the character in the cartoon. I don't know if they got the cartoon voice actor, but it is not the actress in the movie doing the voice. It's another cartoon voice. You think Rankin Bass just pulled their cartoon people in? Because this was Julie Bennett, who, if you were a big Yogi Bear fan, it was his girlfriend, Cindy. He had a girlfriend? No. I, apparently, I'm not a Yogi Bear fan. They felt specifically important to get the more shrill voice so that it really sticks in your head. And again, I guess if you're going for something to drive an ape crazy, this is the voice to do it. But we're not told why Kong goes to Tokyo, right? It's just, I mean, if you're in the North Pole, go to Canada. You can make your way down to North America, even Russia. But Tokyo? <laughs> eh. It was close. Was it? I mean, again, I think the production was was for the people making the movie. Okay, not in the movie, though. (laughs) Like, we can go film in the streets. We already have the sets from other Godzilla movies. Let's just keep it local. And they will both do a Godzilla ending and restage the King Kong climbing the Empire State Building finale, this time using Tokyo Tower. I do not understand... (laughs) I mean, I understand that this movie will end with Mechanicong versus Kong. Yeah, I got to. Yeah. It better. But I don't understand why, who has sent Mechanicong into Capture Kong, and why then Mechanicong is running away from Kong and climbing the building. None of this is making logical sense, but damn is it fun to watch these two guys trying to move in these piss poor suits. I'm back laughing like I was at the beginning of the film. See, and I want that fight. We got to see Kong fight a T-Rex and some kind of sea serpent. And that's what I want in these movies. And when you get to this final battle... First of all, Tokyo Tower, that's a real thing, because I'm like, I didn't know they had an Eiffel Tower there. Yeah. And that's what it looks like. It's actually still the second tallest structure in Tokyo. It was built for what it sounds like. It's a radio transmission tower. It was built to transmit TV signals, and so they just needed it. And you can see it in lots of Godzilla movies getting torn down. Per wiki, it was fairly new when this was done. So kind of like the Empire State Building in the 30s. And kind of like the Twin Towers when we get to King Kong 76. Yeah, so it's keeping with the tradition. Right. But see, this is not a great fight. They just climb and chase each other up this tower. I feel like I want to fight and not a climb the rope contest. Oh, come on. When those two crash through like a five-story building down the middle and they're fighting in the streets before they start climbing the tower there is some fun rock'em sock'em gorilla stuff yeah but that tower climb is uh that is not a climax you gotta do it though because it's kong i mean if it were godzilla versus mecha godzilla no they don't climb a tower but king kong climbs the tallest structure around that is what he did in 1933 That's what he's going to do in 1967. They got to do that. And I like that they do that. And I like that their blonde is one of the things you can tell about the Japanese cut. They have a lot more scenes. Sorry, Arnie, of that blonde woman hanging (laughs) off like the edge and screaming at the top of her lungs. Kong! Kong! (laughs) Yeah, lots of that. More of that than there is in the American cut by about three or four minutes. I'm sorry, but the 
mat work here is so poor when Mechanic Kong grabs her and then drops her off the roof and Kong has to catch her. That is bad. At any time Kong is holding her, sometimes they have a blonde Barbie doll and that kind of works in a silly way. The other one's redhead, right? <laughs> yes, it turns into a redheaded doll. I'm like, what the? You can't even care enough to make sure the hair color is consistent on your doll. Well, maybe she's just fashion conscious, you know, like she got a dye job as girders were falling. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I kind of love the fact that they're combining a kaiju fight with the ending of King Kong. It's funny. I mean, yes, I hear what you're saying, Jacob. I would prefer if they beat each other over the head a little bit more. I really liked it with Mecha Kong. You know, he's got the hypno ray built into the top of his head. It's like a beanie cap or something like that, a dunce cap. And so he can actually like, he keeps flashing Kong in the eyes and they don't do enough with it. It would be funny if Kong did like fall in love with him or (laughs) obey him or, or something. But I'd like to know why... Mechanic Kong ever turns off those headlights because Kong's weakness this time is bright lights. And if Mechanic Kong had kept them on, I mean, that was like Superman with the kryptonite. Well, I do know at some point they want to give Hero something to do. He picks up a rifle and shoots the light out so he can't hypnotize him. But yeah, he could still turn on the blinders. He could still turn on his eye headlights. Yeah, and I thought it was lame for Hero to shoot out the hypno thing too. One tiny ass (laughs) bullet. What kind of marksman is Hero that one bullet is going to take out the entire hypno ray on this, what, 60 foot Mechanicong? I just didn't understand Kong's sensitivity to light. Not even that hypno light, but yeah, when that Mechanic Kong shows those lights. There's a scene earlier where he's like light sensitive. I guess it's just a very dense, dark jungle he lives in. Speaking of shooting, I just want to keep in mind this movie is rated in America G. It's got to be the most violent G movie I've ever seen because when we cut back to Doctor Who... You know, Madam X has decided to turn traitor. She let the sub people escape. And now she's decided she doesn't want millions of people massacred in Tokyo, even though if she gets Element X, presumably she'll use it in a weapon to create mass destruction on her own. She wants it on her own terms. I love it that who calls her on that shit, too. (laughs) Yeah, but he takes his gun and he lays her out and she bleeds out of the mouth. She bleeds out of her arm. She bleeds through her stomach. Yeah, you said it was controversial to have blood when Kong fought the dinosaur, but there's plenty of blood here. Yeah, G-rated. This is fairly intense. I would say that it's probably pretty shocking for someone that was expecting, yeah, Teletubbies. Yeah, but... All the ratings seem to have gotten a little harsher these days. It would definitely be PG these days. And it's going to get worse, actually. But yeah, they take Madam X out pretty quick. And it was very James Bond again, though, because Nelson turned her. Nelson romanced her and got her to turn against her boss like every Bond girl villain. I guess he's got a magic penis, too. Yeah, there's always two Bond girls, one that dies, one that lives. And the one that lives, of course, is going to be Susan and Hero is going to save her and they're going to get out of the way of the falling Tokyo Tower as what, Mechanicong just basically falls and smashes, right? He ends up just breaking on the cement. Yeah, actually, he breaks before he hits the cement because they dropped the parts and just showed them. That's right. I mean, you could clearly <laughs> see that he is not in one piece as he is falling. He's in pieces as he's falling. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, Susan is on the roof and she's about to fall off and Hero's there that a whole bunch of like firemen or troops come with a rope 
And then she just walks back up. They never use that rope. She's just like, no, I'm okay. Even more baffling, there are stairs right there in almost yes. every shot. And she's always climbing out on girders. She like rolls out onto the ledge to make it more dangerous. I'm like, just stay where you are. You're fine. She kind of loves being Feyre. You can tell the secret part of her. She's like, I'm going to change my hair color and I'm really going to get into this. But with Mechanic Kong done... We still got Doctor Who, and Susan's going to use her power over Kong. Kong, smash <laughs> that boat! Now, in the American version, I'm forgetting. Do they actually have the shot of, like, the desk crushing Doctor Who? Yes, and- they do, with blood coming out of his mouth. Okay, and- all right. I See, I thought that might have only been in the... Ja- I didn't. It didn't make the same impression on me as it did at the Japanese cut. But okay, they went for that ending. Yeah, that was what I thought was even more shocking than Madame X, was Kong, our hero, smashing a boat. And we see Doctor Who getting basically cut in half by a desk and all of his henchmen are dying. I mean, Kong kills a bunch of people there. Yeah, even if the crushing metal doesn't take him out, the thing's filling with water and nobody's bringing life rafts. So I think it's ending more violently than the cartoon ever did. Doctor Who usually was brought to justice, but I don't remember seeing blood gush. (laughs) And there's several scenes of henchmen drowning and the water just pouring into the ship and things. I mean, they're not softening the blow of this carnage. Which is, I think, fun. Which, uh, keep in mind, when we were kids, that made it legit is things were way cooler even if you had to cover your eyes even if it kind of psychologically scarred you (laughs) it was way cooler to see people dying than when they like got away in parachutes and rode to safety or just had handcuffs slapped on them i always hated that that was always such a sellout even at eight i hated when gi joe had every cobra troop parachute out so you don't get that they're not these people die there's no sequel and proof of that kong is waiting away at the end leaving his lover behind all i could think about kong is in the water so much in this film and i i felt bad for that actor because that suit's got to get heavy when it's (laughs) waterlogged and just hard to move in and it's got to ruin the suit but yeah he's just gonna swim away again like he did when he fought godzilla yeah the first time he gets in the water i actually said i hope this is filmed on the last day because that suit's gonna smell (laughs) yes but no he (laughs) wades through quite a lot of water in this they must have had several suits but all had the same zipper up the back (laughs) yeah those actors had to endure a lot but yeah they were hoping to reuse that suit they were hoping that rko would give them an extension and that kong could come back and be in the next godzilla movie but nope this is it this is the very last time that Japanese audiences would see this Kong in one of their films. They did reuse the suit. There was a gorilla monster in some other movie. Yeah. So they were able to do that. But let's zip up this show. Jacob Stewart, do you recommend King Kong Escapes? Jacob. Do you like bad movies? Because that's more or less like going to gauge if you're going to want to sit through this film. Like, do you enjoy a good bad movie? Because this isn't great. Like, it is a kid's film. And I found the second half. There's not a whole lot of fights with the kaiju. And that's a problem. Like, that's what you want in these kind of films. And I never got that epic Kong versus Mechacong battle, which was disappointing. But because this is like kind of Godzilla adjacent, I, I 
gave it a little bit more slack. I wasn't quite as critical because, yeah, it's just dudes in suits pretending to smash little tiny things. And that's kind of fun. Again, this plot is just so crazy. There is that sugar high where you're just like, you can't believe what is going on. And I think that sustains most of the film. Again, there's a bit of lag at the end, but then he gets to smash that ship and it kind of redeems it. So I, I could give this one a week recommend. There's enough fun in here. There's enough Mystery Science Theater 3000 type goofs and all that to enjoy. So yeah, have some friends over, have some drinks, and enjoy King Kong Escapes. Stuart. Yeah, I agree. This is not as good as a Godzilla movie, and Godzilla was dearly missed in this effort. As cool as the robot was, he ends up being a poor substitute because he really doesn't have that much interaction with Kong. Again, I wanted a romance, if not a battle, and we really don't get that. What we get mostly is a spy plot that would be more charming if it were, in fact, shaved down to half-hour cartoon length. I do think this movie just feels long, particularly the Japanese version, and those three human leads really aren't very appealing. There's more of them, and they're not as funny as the humans were in King Kong vs. Godzilla. Ultimately... It's just not as entertaining as Toho's first effort. But I'm still a sucker for campy kaiju battles, even when it's not that good. Yeah, that, that's what it comes down to, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you like it, I do think there's some nice spectacle, and I do think it's worth a look, but you're not going to be completely swept up in it. It's going to be passable, diverting, occasionally interesting, but have a good book on hand or, you know, be cleaning your room. And I really had fun with this movie in a brown arrow, so bad, it's tremendous kind of way. And I'm not a sucker for kaiju battles. I think I do like it when it's so silly that it's guys in rubber suits. I never really had anything good to say about Mothra. Arnie, we don't like it because it looks realistic. We <laughs> like it because it does look like guys in suits. Yeah. Right. I'm saying I like the guys in suits better than like Mothra and things like that, which are obviously puppets. How dare you? Mothra is amazing. <laughs> the moment I saw Robocong, I knew what movie I was in for. I sat back and I prepared for a good, bad movie, and that's what this was. I mean, this was Halloween 3, Garbage Pail Kids, bad fun. Yeah, this is going to be a green arrow on the side. I, I had a big smile on my face for much of the movie. I do agree. There's a period where Kong, like, after he's done digging, after he breaks his hypnosis, he stays in a jail cell for, like, 10 minutes, and that 10 minutes feels like an hour. But other than that, it's extraordinarily fun to laugh at. So, recommend. Well, good. I'm glad we all had some kind of fun with this. And can we agree? I'm also glad there's not tons of other Japanese Kong movies to delve into. Like, I've had my fill. This was just enough. I wouldn't want to do more. Of course, they wanted to do more with them. The plan was even 1968. They were making a destroy all monsters. Godzilla was fighting every enemy he had ever done before. They had Kong on the poster for that movie. They were so sure he was going to be in on it, but they couldn't get it done by the end of 1967 and so they lost the copyright they couldn't include kong into the finished production and rko was not willing to extend it basically probably because mostly marion cooper the actual director of the 1933 movie was suing and saying i actually own this rko doesn't even own this and i want to make space kong his whole idea was he wanted to make a comic book or a TV series sequel where the children of Andero and John Driscoll are teamed up with <laughs> Carl Denham was still going to be alive. He had found the Fountain of Youth 
And so it was still the original <laughs> film director. <laughs> but the children of the lovers from the first one were going to join him in space and find an asteroid where, yes, tribesmen worshipped a giant gorilla again. What? They lived on the asteroid? I want this film. Yeah, it was going to be, you know, the same movie, but in space. Wait, this isn't a Japanese kaiju production? <laughs> yeah, right. They should have worked it out. Like, Cooper could have, like, worked with Tomo and then been like, oh, absolutely. You guys could have had another green arrow. It's your own fault for not working this out. <laughs> yeah, they weren't the only ones in the running, too. Hammer Studios. The Brits that gave us endless Dracula movies with Christopher Lee, they wanted in. I want Christopher Lee versus Godzilla. Yes, sounds amazing. <laughs> I think they were going to do a more traditional remake. They thought that they could do, I don't know if it was going to take place in Victorian England. I'm not sure what that would look like, if he climbed Big Ben or not. But it was going to be a color remake of Kong with Raquel Welch as the babe. And of course, none of this happened. Dino De Laurentiis is going to be the one to do it. We're going to talk about that 1976 remake in two weeks. We've got to do a pickup before then because two other dinosaurs have come back to the screen. <laughs> Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, one of whom we've seen a lot more recently than the other. Oh my God. Yeah, Will Smith riding off the high of Gemini Man. Remember that blockbuster hit of last year? <laughs> There's no way this could be good, right? But it may be so bad it's good. That's my hope. <laughs> it's not Michael Bay, so it could be the best. Yeah, my hope is it's back to bad boys one level fun. And without mm. Michael Bay, that might happen. I know you guys didn't even like bad boys one. You're just wrong in that. <laughs> yeah, you say fun. I don't know where you got that word from with that film. Yeah, this looks absolutely terrible. And I'm hoping I can laugh at it. And I think we all <laughs> will find something amusing about this film, but maybe not intentional. Meanwhile, this Friday, if you want to also look at old relics, how about Mozart? <laughs> yeah, for a total change of base, in between Bad Boys and King Kong movies, we're doing actually like a quality period costume drama <laughs> from like 36 years ago. <laughs> because you asked for it. There's actually been a patron that said, you guys need to cover Amadeus. I'm not sure why, but we can find out if you join us this Friday, become a patron. Only patrons are going to hear that show. I love that the patron reviews are all over the map. Galaxy Quest. Monster Trucks. <laughs> Monster Trucks and Amadeus coming together. And Apocalypse Now. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's There's a through line between it all somehow, somewhere. So that's this Friday. We really hope you can join us. If you're a patron of $10 or more, this is the 35th bonus review. All of them are just sitting there waiting for a $10 pledge at NowPlayingPatron.com. And Jacob Stewart, thank you for battling it out in Tokyo with me. You've been listening to Now Playing, the eighth wonder of the world. I think he's had enough of what we call civilization. Thank you for listening to this Now Playing Podcast movie review. It's no use. The show, it's over. It's done. I'm done. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Holy mackerel, what a show. If you enjoyed this show, please tell others. 
You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. Word will get out. It always does. Want to hear more reviews like this one? You can find hundreds of other movie reviews at our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Twitch it on, like this, and you'll get them by matching. In our archives section are over 800 reviews. Listen to our hosts discuss horror, sci-fi, comedy, action, drama, and more. Plus, you can hear reviews of every movie based on Marvel or DC Comics. Wait till those candy asses in New York hear about this one. A new, totally free movie review podcast is posted every Tuesday. So come back each week for another new show. This island is just the beginning. There's more out there. What do you mean, more? This world never belonged to us. It belonged to them. The question is how long before they take it back. Kong is not the only king. Now Playing relies on listener support to keep operating. Do you suppose he knew he was saving my life? Do you suppose he knew he was helping us? Of course not. Do you want me to believe he was grateful? You can support Now Playing by joining our Podbean crowdfunding campaign. Backers can get early access to reviews, unedited reviews, exclusive shows not available anywhere else, and more. Details are at NowPlayingPatron.com. I am a realist, and I need you. So I am going to be generous. I will let you go without a bit of trouble and with lots of cash. At our Podbean site, you can also support the show by listening to any of our donation shows. Series like Planet of the Apes, Jurassic Park, Phantasm, Jaws, and others are available for a small, one-time contribution. I'll give you another thousand to leave right now. You haven't given me the first thousand yet. You can also donate to us directly on PayPal. Details can be found by clicking the banner at the top of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. You might as well settle up. You gonna pay me? I'm not gonna stiff a friend. Want 375 more Now Playing reviews? Get the Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. Arnie, Stewart, Jacob, and Marjorie reviewed 125 different movies, each getting three recommends or not recommends. There was still some mystery left in this world, and we could all have a piece of it for the price of an admission ticket. The ebook is available now, and the print book will be shipping soon. Find details at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book. Well, it better be good after all this valley. You can also follow Now Playing on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. There, the hosts post new episode announcements, movie reviews, and contests, where you can win movies and soundtracks. Also, subscribe to us on YouTube for original video content. She could be hysterical, so come on, follow me. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. I'm someone you can trust, I'm a producer. Believe me, I am on the level. No funny business. Associate produced by Jason Latham. Sure, no, I've been a big help. Now Playing is edited by Stephen, Heath, and Arnie. All in on deck! Everybody on deck! Everybody on deck! Now Playing credits read by Brock. I can't tell when I'm talking or when I'm not talking. You're talking. Am I? Yes. I'm talking? Yes. Your mouth is moving. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. If you feel it, you say it. It's really very simple. 
Benganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created the film analyzed herein. You can't accuse me. He wasn't there. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. We must not panic. If there is one thing we cannot afford at this time, it is hysteria. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of, and may not be used without the expressed written permission of, Venganza Media Incorporated. You need to listen to us! We're not at war, Colonel. You're making a mistake. Your lies got my men killed. And you're going to get us all killed. Not our fight. Whose side are you on, Captain? Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2020. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Why'd he do that? Climb up there and get himself cornered. The ape must have known what was coming. What does it matter? Airplanes got him. It wasn't the airplanes. It was beauty killed the beast. Today, we're reviewing King Kong Escapes, starring Akira Taka... I thought when we were done with Grudge, I was done with this. <laughs> <laughs> Akira Taka... Takarada. That's it. <laughs>